hello and welcome to the Fizzle Share. Listen, on the show today, this is, of course, The Fizzle Show, and on the show today, we're going to answer a listener question, and uh, here, I'll just, here, take it away, Nathan. Hello, and welcome to The Fizzle Show. Too many small, interesting businesses fail, because the founders didn't have the support and direction, depth, or breadth of experience to fully define their audience, to write epic get motivated now, and all the other bits you need to build a business doing something that matters. Every week, they publish another conversation to help you build your thing and support yourself doing something you care about. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash insert chase voice here. That was amazing, Nathan. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run fizzle.co, a website full of training courses to help you run a small business. And more importantly, where you'll find the community of entrepreneurs who won't actually let you quit. So try your first five weeks free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try. Listen, the content that you publish uh, on your website or your YouTube channel and your podcast or on your Periscope or whatever could be an evergreen source of traffic, revenue, brand love, and loyalty. Or it could be a total waste of time and effort. So how do you know what content uh, to create? In this episode, we're going to show you how to decide what questions you should spend time answering for your audience, including ways to learn right now from other people's audiences, okay, in case you haven't already built your own. So click play, subscribe in your podcast app, download it for later, or do whatever it is that you do with these episodes. But please, for God's sake, have a good time. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 125. I'll be back after this to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. And we're back. That means we're starting, Corbett. You can put your phone down. My phone is an integral part of preparation for this podcast. I think you're thinking of integral. (laughs) Whatever you want. (laughs) Don't let my Canadian friends hear that. They get real ornery about things like that. Do they? Pasta, drama, and integral. Integral. <laughs> um, listen, guys, so we've got a good episode of the show today. I expect that we're going to get through a lot, and it's going to be incredibly helpful, probably one of our best episodes ever, just because, you know, Barrett's not here. Yeah. So, because, and most of our episodes are and, yeah, and our just, best episodes you know, he just, ever. He's not going to derail us and do all that thing. That he so did. you're saying that people should be taking notes for this one? I'm saying that... Uh, Wait, do people listen to the show and not take notes? Okay, if you're in your car and you have like a six-year-old handy, just have them take the notes. Yep, yep. A six-year-old? I don't know. Six-year-olds can't write? Oh, okay. My son's I don't know. I don't know. I don't have these things. He's he's basically basically useless. (laughs) He's just a mouth to feed at this point. All right. And as I just learned when I went to use his restroom, he's a monster. Doesn't know how to flush the toilet. Well, all right. So we should have some notes underneath this episode. Um, they're all about parenting. They're just they're just parenting oh, okay. in the bathroom notes. All right, <laughs> I'm kidding. This is episode. I think it's one twenty five, right? I think we're at one twenty five. Yep. Um, so uh, let me just just to make sure. By the way, I sent you guys the link to Momentum that uh, that thing that goes in your you liking it's it? Done. It's done. I already installed it. I tweeted about it. <laughs> I saw you. It's pretty cool. Corbett goes like, "Oh, that thing. It's already part of my workflow. I tweeted it." <laughs> you guys, if you haven't done Momentum, I actually heard about it in an episode of uh, the Tim Ferriss show when he was talking with Matthew Mullenweg, and uh, it's a it's a 
an extension that you add to your browser. So I use it on Chrome, Corbett uses it on Safari. And when you open a new uh, tab, basically, what you're graded with is this beautiful picture. Like, it's actually, like, striking, most of them. And they change. They change all the time. It's just an unsplash or a flicker or something. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. and so it's just a beautiful picture. So yep. it's striking when you're used to just seeing, like, oh, go to these places that you normally waste yeah. time on. Yeah. Go to Facebook. Maybe yeah, it just someone... reminds you over and over again that you visit the Bleacher Report or something. Cra- crappy, you know, places that are going to waste our time and make our eyeballs bleed. And then it asks you one thing. What are you working? What's your focus today? Mm-hmm. And so you, and you just quickly type in your thing, click enter, and now that sits there every time you open a new tab it's like hey how you doing on this i don't know if i'll uh if i'll use that part of it that much we'll yeah. see i used it today but uh the photo and the time and the and weather it, says, it says your name so you click a tab and it's like hey steph yeah like steph, you're like oh yeah, yeah. my computer mm-hmm. knows who i am i'm liking it okay so on the show today we're gonna answer a listener's question his name is nathan shearer and let's get right into it all right let's see if we get this thing working out of a possible five itunes alligators i give it 37 alligators Hey guys, long time listener and I can finally say first time fizzler. Yeah. Uh, my favorite bit, as you can tell, is probably lots of them, uh, was a comment by Chase on bad WordPress design. Uh, when someone has too many plugins, he says, I feel like my head's inside of a chicken right now. <laughs> I still laugh every time I think of it. I also got a serious punch in the gut at the end of episode 13, which has stuck with me, so thank you. Anyway, my question, by the way, it's Nathan Shearer from bpdietplan.com, and we're Paleo Plan for Bulletproof fans. Uh, I know you guys resonate with that, big uh, Bulletproof Coffee fans, so I'm hoping you can pull something from this for uh, for your listeners. Uh, I've gotten to MVP, and I've launched to a very small list, and I'm, I'm just totally pumped to be helping people, helping people out getting them to really thrive on the bulletproof diet and i'm i'm struggling to work out what content if any i need to supplement my product with on the site uh, there already exists a whole bunch of forums um this information is everywhere the official site's great um, i've read all that stuff um, it's super helpful so would i be helping if i recreated that for my audience like uh, i guess you'd call it curating you know what i mean uh, wh- why wouldn't I just send my audience to these other sites? Or am I just being lazy? I don't know. Uh, keep up the honest work, guys. Loving the podcast, man. Uh, I'll see you next time. I'll see you another time. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. And I'll see you next Fizzle Friday. Peace. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> that was great. That was so wonderful, right? Yeah, that well was like done. a greatest hits of all the... All the gaffes. That is all the is so many great little one liners and things. Nathan, that was terrific. He Thank remembered you. more than I would if you yeah, pressed he kept, me. And on he kept all throwing them in and stuff. He's like, oh yeah, what, what was in there? What was in there? <laughs> I forgot about that. That was one. a good one. Oh boy, that's that's really good. So that was Nathan Shearer's question again of uh, bpdietplan.com. And so here's the here's the question stated for you very simply. I'm gonna abstract it out of Nathan's specific situation, though we'll have plenty of advice for him specifically. Um, and to anyone who's basically asking, what content should I be making? I need to write articles or podcasts or whatever the medium that I've decided to work in. I need to come up with headlines and figure out what questions to start answering there. And these needs 
to be things that don't just scratch my own ish. They have to pull people to my site. I need new eyes and hearts on my stuff so that they can fall in love with me, so they can like my thing, they can they can grow my audience, they can buy my stuff, they can they can realize I can make my products better, all those things, right? For us as content marketers, a lot of us in this audience, and certainly us here at this table talking in the Fizzle Show, we're content marketers. We have we've built our whole business around blog posts and podcasts with a few YouTube videos thrown in there, but mostly just posts, right? So the question is, how can I figure out what content to make? Because I only have a limited amount of time to write stuff, to make things and figure out. So I don't want to waste it on stuff that isn't going to work. And yet you can't be a hunt. You can never be a hundred percent sure that this thing's going to work. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be off off the chain, as uh, as my spirit animal would say. But uh, uh, you know, the mayor of Flavortown, Blogtown, mayor of Blogtown. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. So, uh, so here's what I want to do. Okay, the very first thing I want to start with, Corbett, uh, old old Grandpa Bar over there. Uh, he he's been on the internet s- since be- before there were nuclear devices. Mm-hmm. So, like since before AOL. Yeah, he was liter- He like literally. Back in the BBS days, you remember we that, didn't have blogging. Remember that modem sound? That was Corbett's voice. Say three hundred baud. That was just him screaming. Yeah. <laughs> so Corbett, you started Think Traffic a long time ago. You were working high paid. My first disc drive was literally a cassette tape. <laughs> it sure That's what they used to be. Cassette tapes. Was it really? Yeah. Anyway, I, I saw, going. again, my, my, I don't know if I've said this on the show, but I've said it probably in conversations with all of you. I think the best thing being made right now is last week tonight with John Oliver. And he. I just watched the one on I'm the I'm still IRS. convinced that you've never seen it. You've only watched the clips that are <laughs> I have, online. I have all the books. I haven't read them yet, but yeah. uh, they look absolutely wonderful. Yeah. yeah. No, I watched the one last night on, on the IRS, and they're still using, basically, cassette tapes uh-huh. and- to record all the data and modems. <laughs> it's crazy. Nice. Um, so when you started uh, Think Traffic, you had built it on a cassette tape. Um, and what? How did you come up with the ideas for topics that you started writing? Because what happened with Think Traffic is it became a really big site. Yeah, it became the foundation that we we built all of Fizzle on. Yeah, because you were answering the questions this audience wanted the answers to. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with a topic? So first of all, like the whole concept for Think Traffic was based on what I had learned from a segment of my audience preceding it. Mm-hmm. People kept asking over and over again, like, how do I build a big thriving audience online that I could then build a business around? What does it take to grow an audience to build traffic so and so on and so forth? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have all the answers, but I thought that was a worthwhile question to continue asking and trying to answer over and over again. So when I started the blog, um, you know, it was from scratch. I knew that I needed to interact with my audience as much as possible. And also that I wanted to lean on the advice of other experts who are more established than I was for a while until I sort of found my own voice. So that meant that I came up with content categories that were based around um, ways that I could interact with my audience deeply. So a regular, uh, for example, a, a regular recurring sort of um, type of post on the site was an ask the readers post, where it was just based on some question maybe that I had, or that I'd gotten via email or something that I wanted to find out what my audience thought about to help drive content ideas for me. So Ask the Readers was a big one. The other thing was, I really, like I said, leaned on other experts as much as I could. And um, to do that, I would do roundup posts, which everybody's a big fan of now. They're so popular. (laughs) Um, 
I would do roundup posts, basically asking a question and, and getting uh, the feedback from various experts on one particular topic. That was a popular thing to do back then. Um, the other thing that I would do was uh, I featured a lot of interviews on the site. I would do uh, recorded YouTube interviews with people who had grown really big audiences. So instead of having to come up with all the answers myself, I was asking my audience what they wanted over and over again, and I was providing it by leaning on other people. Got it. I like the way that I love. Is that how your brain thinks? You literally had three bullet points and then you started talking or did you? If I'm going to start talking, I have to have bullet points. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I love that. So the first thing I did, Bob, I'm and by the way, terrific question. Uh, number one, I leaned on previous existing intellects and experts. So uh, you might be familiar with a roundup post. Sorry, I can go through that whole thing. I kind of want to redo it all. <laughs> um, okay. So that's where you started. Now, okay, that's because I love how you said in the beginning, you didn't really have the expertise, right? You had to kind of, you had hunches and ideas and things that you were doing, but you were leaning on these experts through the interviews and then through the roundup posts. Yeah. I mean, is that really the two ways that you kind of lean on the experts? Well, I mean, the, the roundup, the, I guess, roundup posts and, and interviews. Yeah. I'd say so. You can also, um, you know, like uh, Maria Popova, you could curate, you could, you know, read books and then yeah. paraphrase them in your own words. Yeah. That's a good way to kind of walk the walk. All of these things are like training wheels for your mm -hmm. content yeah. to begin with so that you know you're not going to fall over because experts have, you know, they're experts for a reason. Yeah. So borrow from them, but you start weaving in your own voice. And then eventually you get to take the training wheels off and you come up with your own ideas yeah. for content. Um, but this is all during that phase where we all feel like for a while we're kind of faking it till we make it. Yeah. And we also, we use this all the time. How do you make content that your audience is going to like? Well, first of all, you don't have an audience. So you're kind of yeah. making it for the audience that you want. And to some degree, the content that you put out there will shape the audience that you're going to have. So there's a little bit of a chicken and the egg problem there, I yep. guess. No, totally. Totally. And, and I love the the metaphor of the training wheels uh, because it can feel so crazy making. This is what I, I resonate so much with Nathan's questions. It can feel so crazy making to go like, all right, I, I, I can make stuff. I can make stuff. And most of the things, this is a really big problem that I see. This is probably one of the biggest problems around this question. Most, like, like I'm so close to to one of my heroes, Merlin Mann says like, you're close to the metal. You're too close to the metal. It means you're like, you're so, you're so up on top of the thing. You can't even see what's happening. It's like you're reading a book and your face is in the page. So you can't even make sense of the words, right? You're too involved in this. You're too much of an expert. What isn't there? Uh, there's a thing like the expert fallacy or something, right? What's, what's that? Corbett, you know about it. It's like when you know too much about a thing, you're the last person that, that you're, you end up being like not good at right. sharing the thing. Yeah, right? you're not. It, yeah, for beginners to follow like, you know. What's that called? Steph, look up like well, X. Do you remember? I, I, I can. I do know there's a quote that's like the best marksman is someone who's never shot a gun. Something like that. Like, I huh. think that's an old like military thing. I don't know how I know that, but that sort of reminds me of what you're saying. Yeah, no, it's it, it, I'll find the there's something that it, that it's called uh, uh it's not the 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 innovator's dilemma or something like that. I can't remember what. But anyways, here's the basic problem that I see happening here is that we become such experts in kind of the the business of our topic, the sort of we become experts in our topic uh, or sorry, not in our topic, but in our product or in our approach or in our solution to the problems that we kind of lose track with the real language of the problem. And the way to fix that is 
you have to like do all this work to come back to the customer, to be reminded again and again and again that you should focus on the customer and that they have the answer. So one, one of the big tricks for this is asking yourself questions like, why are they using your product or service? Why are they using this thing? Or what do they hope to get out of this? Or what's in it for them? Getting back to that like basic elementary, like preschool version of your of your ta- of your business. You know, this thing that you're kind of like putting a flag in and like, oh, this is gonna be what I stake my claim on. But you're like, but you now you know too much about it. Mm-hmm. And and you don't know the right things. Like you need to stay a kindergartner about the problem that you're actually solving and the people that you're doing it for, what language that they use and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I think that's true. So you're talking about a situation where you're an expert and you're deep. I think that close to the metal thing is like a programming reference where you're like down in the guts of close to the hardware, basically, um, of the application interface. And so you don't have any clue what the customers need. Mm -hmm. So when you're that kind of expert, yeah, you get disconnected from the customer and that's dangerous. But on the other hand, if you're the kind of person who's just getting into a subject and you don't know what to write about, yeah. the same is true. Get yeah. closer to the customer and that's where the answers totally. are. Because all of us are so good at when we are, if you're sitting across a table from someone that you care about even a little bit and they say, here's what I'm really struggling with right now. You can help them solve that problem, even if you know nothing about that thing that their problem is with. Like you can be like, well, have you searched on the internet for an answer? Right. <laughs> and they'll yeah. be like, Yeah. I often didn't find anything. Well, what did you search for? And you can kind of keep problem solving with them until yeah. you guys come up on something. I think, and this sort of ties to what Corbett's already said as well, but maybe one of the easiest ways to do this, and I find that we have these conversations in the forums that fizzle all the time, is just getting people to think about what's the number one question that you get asked all of the time. And if you're not enough of an expert where you don't get asked any questions all of the time, then, and this is something you say all the time, Chase, but when you were you know, a few steps back in your journey, like what did you struggle with the most? What's that one thing that you you wish you had known that yeah. you know now, right? And I think these days, this has potentially never been easier than it is today with tools like Instagram, tools like Periscope, where people are doing live Q&As. And even if you don't have an audience where you can get a group of people on Periscope to do a live Q&A, find competitors in your niche where you can jump onto their Periscope and see what questions they're asking those ex- experts. I feel like it's probably never been easier to figure out what it is that customers need right now live, which is totally. really cool. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I've got a huge list of these things that I want to go through here before the end of the show. But that's a, it's a great point. And I keep coming back to that idea of like the greatest marksman is one who hasn't tr- shot a gun yet. It's totally like, I love that. I love, there's another guy I've been geeking out about called Richard Saul Warman. Okay, he's the guy who created Ted. And then, like, passed it off to Chris, what's his name, or whatever. But he created Ted, and so everybody goes like, oh, he must be a cool guy. Uh, and But he's written 85 books. He's just, he, he started out as this, you know, brilliant architect, and then it's like, I'm over-architect. I'm going to coin a new term, information architecture. He just kept learning and learning and learning. He coined information architecture. He, uh, architect, he, he put, a, a, he just kept, keeps, like, exploring things. His latest thing is a conference called, like, 555, where it's five cities, five uh five like really like really like top of their field experts and it's just fresh conversation about the future hmm. like and 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 you it's just like happening then in nice. those five cities they happen over five weeks and he goes to every city and then the last one is like everybody there is is there kind of it sounds fucking awesome <laughs> it sounds so great um but uh anyways this guy is he's made a living out of just being first of all just and He's a real abrasive dude, but but more importantly, this 
incredible learner. Just just this, like my whole life is just about understanding. I just want to understand things. The reason why you're dumb is not because you know more than me. It's because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I know a lot about what I don't know, but I've also done tons of work to figure out what I wanted to know and be interested in things and learn those things. And so in some ways, we have to come back to that when we're doing this research on our audience, because that's what this question's about. What should I write about? It's research on your audience that leads to the answers for what you should write about. Yeah, I think a lot of authors are basically what you just described. They they are just really good at learning things yeah. and then explaining them to other people. Yeah. And so then suddenly, you know, you're Bill Bryson or something and you've got all these books on all these different topics and people assume that you're some kind of massive expert, but really totally. you, you're just curious as hell. Yeah. Uh, Bill Bryson's a great example of someone who just like made the unclear clear for, for a lot of us. So we're talking about making the unclear clear, but we're also saying that you need to be talking to your customers to figure out what they're curious about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some people just can kind of figure that out. They can intuit that and they just put something out there and and then they see if their customers like it or not. Others need to find out. They need to have some assurance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I can imagine some people are out there going, okay, great. You know, you write an ask the readers post or you, you, you know, email your customers or Mm -hmm. whatever. Well, I don't have any customers. Like Mm -hmm. who do I talk to? Right. (laughs) So how do you, be more valuable. <laughs> how do you? So how do you? You know how do you talk to your customers when you don't have any? This is my favorite part, okay? Because I was a designer for a long time. I had to do. Uh, I was working with people like yourself when you were doing Think Traffic Corbett and Pat Flynn and Steve Cam of Nerd Fitness and a bunch of other people. So I didn't get to write for this audience. I didn't get to spend a lot of time, months and, and years learning who the audience is and stuff like that. So I had to devise a bunch of ways to really get in, into the skin of the audience to understand what they're, who they yeah. were, what they, what they really wanted. Like, yeah. That's the, always the key for me. It's like, what's the desire these people have? And it's, and I can't just write, it's not just like a freaking, everybody talks about an avatar or a customer profile, all that stuff. Just, it never communicates. It never gets you emotional about the thing, the way that any single real story with significant stakes will. And that's what happened in Think Traffic. When I'll tell that story real quick. When we designed Think Traffic, Corbett came to me and was like, hey, let's design Think Traffic. You're probably the world's best designer and probably one of the best guys in the world to hang out with. You're so handsome. Undiscovered, Uh, I said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're so handsome and lithe and you look like a pool boy. And gosh, I just want to spend more time with you. And uh, and so uh, we we started talking about doing the design. and and So I wanted to do something big and crazy and I got to do that. But where that all started for me, and the design ended up being really, really great. It looked wonderful. The conversion doubled, all the things, all the statistics, all the stuff. But uh, the thing that I think made the design so powerful was I spent, I basically read almost every comment on the site. And this was like hundreds and hundreds, probably. There were probably 6,000 at the time. There was something, something like yeah. that. And, and so I just kind of went through as like, I think I did just about all of them. I know what I did first is I went into analytics and I got like the 150 top posts. Yeah. And I know I went through all of those. And, um, and I just started reading the comments. I didn't even look at the content. I just read the comments and I clicked on all, a lot of the links to see like, hey, where, where are this, what are they linking to? Yeah. So it wasn't just 
comment. You were trying to figure out who these people who are were. these people. Yeah. And um, so for me, it was a process of number one, kind of understanding the milieu. There's there's several levels that happen. You kind of just steep yourself in the data, you, the, reading all the comments. You just letting them wash over you. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really sticking. But eventually, there starts to be little tiny patterns that kind of form. But you kind of get comfortable with the milieu that the environment. And then over time, you start to see the same faces over and over again. You're like, okay, I'm starting to have these relationships with these people because comments happen in time. They're happening throughout time. So you're seeing their faces, you know, sometimes months, sometimes years, uh, you know, from their last comment or something like that in, in real time. And so you start to have this kind of, you start to get a sense for who these people are and what their struggles are and what pro, what stage they're at in the journey and all this other stuff. And what happened for me was I actually found one specific person that I designed Think Traffic for. His name was Steve. And he had, uh, he had several comments. Some of them were like, yeah, I, so I've got an audience of about like 30,000 people a month. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like a large number. Like but most people in the audience are like, wow, that's incredible. You know, everybody would have, when you're starting out, you're like, you <laughs> look at that number and go, oh my God, he had done so much. But he kept going like, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to monetize this thing. I'm still trying to figure out how to get a little money. Yeah, this, I'm actually not like getting any progress on this. Like the traffic goes up, but I'm not making any sales. I'm not doing any, I don't have any right. money. And finally, when I went and looked at his website... There were like several cries for help, you're saying. Yeah, I saw some some cries for help. And they weren't like loud, loud, loud cries for help. Yeah. I just saw him get angrier and angrier. Like I saw him just going like, dude, this is not working, you yeah. know? And then I landed on his website uh, finally, and it was like, not doing this anymore. It was just like a little letter. Like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Screw this. <laughs> Screw it all. It was his resignation. It was public. basically yeah. his public resignation of doing his site or whatever. Um, and actually, I think it was just like a, you know, Bluehost page. And then where that message was, was on his Twitter account. I finally found that. It, and it just was this perfect little story where I saw what's at stake. Mm-hmm. Now I, as the content maker in this new metaphor, as the person who's writing the stuff and trying to figure out what problems does my audience solve, or what, what problems are my audience looking to solve? I have a story that I care about. I realize what's at stake, and I want to try to save Steve. Yep. Even if I can't save Steve, I can save someone who's heading down that path. Yeah. Right? So I can look at the variables and go like, okay, here's one storyline that I can affect if someone from this storyline can 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 find this before they reach that that bad space of quitting. Yeah. You became Mario and Steve was your princess. <laughs> he was my damn princess. And you were just going to keep repeating level three yeah. over and over again mm-hmm. until you... <laughs> Maybe a more apt metaphor was, uh, and I actually did this in a talk a, a long time ago where I, I told Steve's story and then I was kind of juxtaposing that with the, with the story of Star Wars and going like, like like Yoda did for Luke Skywalker. That's what we have to do for our audience member who like our customer, our target customer. We have to make that, you know, that weird stew. Yeah. And then like and like like just go like mm. And like I don't know, just go mm, a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then so yeah, like, the Enjoy whole thing. My stew, you, will. <laughs> you are a turd, you are. <laughs> Uh, and so you got to make weird stew for Steve is what I landed oh, on yeah, from that. That's right. I remember that in the talk. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's so, one little, little yeah, tactic. And, and so what I love about that is we're talking about how do you, um, 
understand who your customers are before you have them. Mm -hmm. And in a way, you were borrowing someone else's audience. You were borrowing my audience or Steve Camps from Nerd Fitness or whoever you were working for at the time. Um, And you can do the same thing right now, not you, Chase, but you listening to this. If you don't have an audience, you can go find someone whose audience you respect and admire and think it's close to the kind of audience you would like. And then you can dig through every public interaction in blog comments, on Twitter, on Periscope, like you, like Steph was saying earlier, um, and understand as much as you can about the needs and emotional states and problems that the customers are facing in someone else's audience. Yeah, and I love that. And so that's for as a designer, that became critical for me to have a lot of things like that that I could do. So now I've got a big list of these. Um, most of them are using other people's audiences. Uh, but a few are using your own. If you like, it's one thing to go like, I want to do a website. Like, it depends on where where we're catching you, right? Nathan already has a site. He's got a handful of things out there, so he probably has at least a little bit of an audience. Um, other people have an idea, and they're like, I'm thinking of doing it. I'm working very hard towards it. I'm always thinking of what it's going to be like. We're close to to putting the final touches on on version one of the Fizzle roadmap, and I'm just a ma- I'm fantasizing about what someone getting someone who like literally is just just in the business idea stage and and having them go from the beginning of the roadmap through is going to be so incredible. It's like, it's such an awesome process from one step to the next. We guide you through every single thing. And, uh, and I'm the only one who has that perspective right now. Cause I'm the one who's edited everybody else's content at this point and kind of, you know, put the, the finishing touches on the, on the whole kebab. And by the way, by the time you listen to this, that might not even be out. You might be in the future listening to it. So go to fizzle.co slash, try five right <laughs> point to corbett <laughs> and, and say it yourself and say it myself because i didn't yeah. know if you picked up where i was going there and yeah try five and what's gonna happen if i go there so if you go to try well for you it's different because you're already <laughs> <laughs> uh if you're not a fizzle member go to fizzle.co slash try five and uh sign up for a free five-week trial and oh uh, so you guys are gonna get my credit card information and start like Yes, but you can cancel anytime. You won't be charged a dime. You can go through every course inside of Fizzle. You can participate in the forums. You You can can show up to office hours. You can hang out with Steph. You can put Steph through the paces and see if she can keep up with all of your support requests and needs. Bring it on. So wait, so then you keep my credit card and then like, I can't, like, what what do you, like, I, I just can't, like quit ever or you like, can cancel any time wait, wait, you like is this going to be like stamps.com or later crap where you just start charging me for things no i heard about your horrible experience with stamps.com no <laughs> sign up for fizzle try it out if you don't like it cancel before your five weeks are up and you will have paid exactly zero dollars yes listen people this is a real business this isn't like stamps.com where we're just like some <laughs> god piece of shit <laughs> enterprise level suckers who who just oh go like man we'll just charge money and then now oh, they'll ask for refunds we'll give them a half of it we'll do what we'll have they, they make money on on their on like the end uh, after they've screwed someone they're like they've created a process for making money after the screw yeah it's that surprising dude. it's surprising uh and i can't comment i've never used the business in question here but uh it's surprising that there are large businesses that are based on let's screw people and try to just maybe uh it'll be such a pain in the ass for them to call and get customer support yeah they will get to keep some of their money yeah, yeah that's it literally how it works they, they don't make any mention of the fact that when you sign up you're signing up for this recurring sort of thing and obviously i was speeding through it 
I wanted to get the free scale. Come on. I want to get a free scale. So listen, you can make a real business. You don't have to make a piece of crap business. And that's what we've made. You can sign up at fizzle.co slash try five and you can cancel and we really won't charge you. Shoot. You know what? If you forget to cancel and we charge you and you go, oh no, I forgot to cancel. Can you reimburse me? Steph, how many of those do you do in a typical month? We do them all the time. Anybody who emails is like, okay, let's, I I messed up. We just reimburse your money. I'll be happy, happy to help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're happy to help. Email us support at fizzle.co. I like how I asked Steph a question. I didn't even let her answer because I'm just I'm heated (laughs) up. I'm heated up because screw stamps.com. Well, listen, can I let me just say one thing about the roadmap while you mentioned it? (laughs) Let me just talk about it for one second before stamps.com. Um I this kind of just crossed my mind. So for there's probably some people listening to this who are thinking, yeah, I don't know what kind of content to make either. But one of the things that's important, you know, Nathan, as an example here, he is, if you are familiar with the roadmap, you know, he's in what we would call phase two. He's got a product and he's in this sort of different phase. But if you're listening and you're just getting started, there are a couple of things you probably want to think about before getting into content. You want to make sure that you have a basic business idea and that you have a rough idea of who your audience is. If you happen to join Fizzle or you're a Fizzle member, we have an awesome course on defining your audience to help you figure out who these people really are. Because like Chase said, this is a heck of a lot easier when you know who you're talking to and you know, make sure you have a name and a simple platform for your business. So all of those things, at least in our opinion, come before this idea of what kind of content should I create. So I think it's just important to point out that if you're swimming in this question of like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to make, it might have to do with the fact that you need to go back a few steps and and, you know iron some of those early things out before worrying about putting up a blog post or something like that. Yep. Well said. All right, so you've got some research methods. Yeah, you ready to go through some research methods? Let's do it. Let's uh, let's get into it. Okay, so I'm going to start with uh, not using someone else's audience, but rather to use your own personal story, okay? So this is just your own personal inventory. Just Steph, you mentioned this, and I just added it to the list because it's perfect. Right up top, it's trying to get back into that mode of where were you two years ago when you got started with Bulletproof Coffee or when you got started with whatever. Yeah. This is the... Uh, I lost my keys. How do I find them? Approach. <laughs> this is retrace a- your steps. <laughs> exactly. Retrace your steps. Exactly. It always works. But it's hard. Like I heard some I heard an entrepreneur talking about like, you know, it would be cool to get that person's perspective on it, but they're so far along now, I don't think they remember what it was like when they were just mm. starting. And it made me realize like that's that's what I mean when I'm talking about close to the metal. You're too far advanced, you're too far along. You you can't remember your body, your your biology doesn't remember the 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 weirdness, the confusion that came earlier on yeah. in the process. And so if you can if you can go retrace your steps, try to find those things, uh take in the substances that you need. For me, it's like a it's a cigar and a beer oh so you retrace your steps and you do what you so you're like okay i had a cup cup of coffee and then i had a van halen shirt on yep so you put that shirt on drink the coffee yeah no no yeah because it's like sense memory yeah it's sense memory i was super drunk gotta get drunk yep yep and then maybe you'll find your keys totally uh just unlocks different areas of your brain hi my name is chase reeves here to tell you about nlp which i call drug therapy just get drunk and things start happening uh are you feeling bored in your life get drunk are you feeling a little bit rude get drunker you might get happy you might get angry we'll see what happens it won't be boring this is the time when people are listening and um maybe they like they pause to like look at their phone and and figure out where they were driving to and then they start listening again and they're like what 
<laughs> just the same episode? Totally. Okay, so taking your own personal inventory. You don't have to be a whiz to know what to do about this, but but you you can invest time in this. So ta- write it that down. Take my own personal inventory. Like retell my own story, recount my own story. Make an outline of the things that you did and when and where. And then what you can do is well, actually I'll hold on. I'll save that for just a little bit. I've got an insight coming up. Okay, that's the personal inventory one. Okay, number 2. This is the email trick, okay? I uh, I forgot about this one. I had to edit the list too. You have a website. If you do, awesome. If you don't, fizzle.co slash try five. Um, the, the website that you have, like, so for instance, in the roadmap, we coach you through setting up your first, your one-page website, and it just has uh, very simple stuff on it. One of those things is a place for people to sign up via email. So every email, this is what I did for a long time. I learned it from Derek Halpern, and uh, it's been incredible. Every time someone would sign up for an email, for like for my site, like for Father Apprentice or Ice to the Brim, I'd have MailChimp send me a quick email saying, hey, good job. Look, Terrence signed up for the site. And uh, and so I would click their email address and write a little quick little email to them. I had a text expander snippet and the whole nine yards. Um, and what it does is uh, is it just asks them one simple question. I mean, it's a little bit of like, hey, here's my inbox, my email in case you ever want to take a crap in it or send flowers, please go for flowers. Uh, but here's one question I wanted to ask you. What's one thing you're struggling with right now as a new dad? Yep. Um, and and I just kind of like because I kind of focused them on like that's most of the answers were like in Fries the Brins. It was like, what are you? What's one thing you're struggling with right now as like a, a creative working man? And m- most of the responses, uh, literally, it was like fifty fifty. It's funny how that works out because fifty percent of the population are women. Apparently, fifty percent of the population on my site are women too. And they're going, well, I'm not a man, but here's what I'm struggling with. <laughs> And, and so I love that. I love that because I well, I kind of wanted to focus over there, but they kept giving me their feedback and I realized how gender non-specific doing creative same. work yeah. really is. Um, and so anyways, the most important thing about that specifically with Father Apprentice is I got so many responses, hundreds of responses over the you know couple of years that I was doing that site and about 65, maybe 70% of them were the same struggle. Like, right. So now I've got a ton of confidence that people really struggle with that problem. So again, that one's just a simple, I call it the Derek Halpern email trick. Every time someone signs up to your, your email list, send them a personal email asking what's one thing you're struggling with right now. And I say, send them a personal email because I was too cheap to pay for MailChimp's like automation thing. (laughs) So this is the free plan. The upside of that is that you might start a conversation and learn even more. The other thing is you're going to engender these people to you like nothing else. It makes a huge difference. Whoa, a real person responds. If you're just starting out and you're not doing that, you need to do that. That, Like, no, I don't get too prescriptive about stuff. There's always reasons not to. But like, honestly, it is... You're going to learn so much about your audience. You're going to have that one-on-one connection. It's strong. Yep. Email trick. And we we uh, we still do a form of that today, even at Fizzle. We don't um, we don't send like a you know here's an email thing, but we ask people to leave a comment in the forums. Yeah. And uh, you wouldn't believe how many people do, and it's still very instructive to us. Yep. Totally. Okay. So next uh, category here is when we get into another piece of your own site before we start researching other audiences. Um. This is where we go into your own analytics, and we asked two questions, basically. What were your top 15 to 30 or 50 uh, posts in the last six months? This is according to traffic or social shares, some sort of meaningful data like that. Um, 
not just i don't know not just uh there's also like you can look at the number of comments like what are the sites that or what are the posts that have more comments than anything Mm -hmm. than anything else right so you're looking for not only your top posts okay that's the first part but then your your worst posts your least successful posts and again we're looking for like 15 to 50 of these things probably um that's probably sounds like a lot but but what the the beauty of this kind of stuff is kind of like when i was talking about getting into the reading comments you just kind of have to sit in it for a while you have to look at at the data and and eventually it starts making sense it's uncomfortable it's kind of weird you keep asking questions write down your questions like what what are the top posts according to tweets what are the top posts according to facebook shares what are the top posts according to traffic what are the top posts according to comments what are the top posts according to and then and then you like kind of ask like what anything similar between these comments ones or these facebook ones or these twitter ones or across all of them Mm -hmm. and then you do that same thing for the lowest ones and you might realize that most of the posts that you've been writing are on topics that traditionally have fared really poorly for you and you didn't even know it because you didn't do this kind of work before mm-hmm. so quick little analytics stuff not that it's quick sorry but but relatively simple it might take time but it's relatively simple anything to add on that corbett because you've done a lot of analytical stuff no I, but that's something you should be doing regularly yeah um and in fact we have a little reminder to do that every month yeah what we do every month is we kind of com- i look at the last four posts the last four uh most recently published tweet or uh, podcast. podcast as well and just kind of compare them to everything that came before hey is our traffic going up or is it going down hey is anything outstanding outstanding here and by and large everything is normal that's why it's called normal uh and then there's normally a few uh outstanding things sometimes more high sometimes more low mm-hmm. so um so definitely your site analytics is another thing now uh this one is now we're starting to get into other people's audience stuff okay opa OPA, standard OPA practices is what we're looking for. Um, the first place I like to go is competition. Okay. First of all, it's just a helpful exercise to figure out and make a list of who your competition is if you haven't yet, mm-hmm. because that can be uh, illuminating. Yep. And deciding, okay, for us, for example, to me, it's a big question. Is the, are these people, uh, competition or are those people competition you start to kind of like categorize them differently yeah and that helps me kind of categorize our efforts differently yeah you know and what i mean? guess i would i would categorize them i would use a word other than competition yeah, yeah. i think it's, it's hard wrong mental framework um but what you're saying is other sites that have similar audiences or that overlap with the kind of thing you're going to be doing yep Hopefully, those people become partners in some way. Yeah, uh, but maybe some of them will be competitors. Yeah, that's something that, that, that what's so great about that is is, and I know I, I kind of struggle with the with the idea of what, what the right way to frame it is. But for the time being, you can call it competition. You can call it places that your target audience is also hanging out mm-hmm. in. You could call it uh, places where people who need to know about you already are. Things like that, and you're looking for. Um, you're looking for what are they writing about? What are they talking about? What's getting big over there? So there's a couple of tools to mention. BuzzSumo is one of them. This will be in the show notes. Uh, BuzzSumo allows you to like look at the top posts about a topic. 
So you go into BuzzSumo and you type in, you know, fly fishing, tying your own flies or something like that. And then you'll see some of the top posts for that. Now, BuzzSumo is actually kind of spendy. Um, I wouldn't be able to pay for it if I was doing my, my own thing before I was making any money. And we don't even pay for it now. I'd like to. I'd like to have it. It's very fun, useful, but I just haven't gotten around to but it. But you can, you can still see like you the top five. Like the top, like actually 15 or 20, I think. So yeah. quite a bit. And you can kind of see the top 15 uh, and, and sort of how many tweets, how many Facebook. Facebook, social shares, these kinds of things for those places. Now, what's great about that is that's not deter- that's not dependent on a specific site. That's just all over the internet. What's ranking and being or specifically what's being shared the most uh, about this topic. So that's helpful. Another one is um, Open Site Explorer from Moz. This is, it's free for like a month or something like that. I'm, I'm still like in such a, I just remember starting up all these sites and going like, I'm not paying for anything. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm always super sensitive to that. Um, and so what you can do there is you can go and say, you know, find, you know, tieyourownflies.biz and say that's a big competitors of yours or, or, or another place where your audience is. You type, put their site in Open Site Explorer, put their URL there, and it'll tell you sort of the most popular p- uh, pages on that site and a bunch of da- data about that that's very useful. So you go through and you do that for all of your competitors or all of your whatever places that your audience is also hanging out in. And... What I recommend is basically you listen to fizzleshow.co slash 86, all right? Because that's where we go deep on that kind of research. And if you haven't listened to that and you're listening to this episode, that is what you're going to do right after this. You're going to listen to this episode. You're going to take all the notes. You're going to have all your list of things. And then you're going to go listen to fizzleshow.co slash 86. It's called How to Reverse Engineer Massively Shareable Content. And it's a really strong episode. Lots of strong research in there. You're going to like it. So on this competition thing, one more thing I want to fill in, not not again, the, whatever, the places that my audience is hanging out, there's, there's two little insights here, okay? The first one is this. What you are looking for in all of the research that you're doing is what are the questions behind the headline? Sometimes the headline is actually phrased as a question, uh, and that can be really helpful. Other times it's not, and you have to kind of like figure out what the question is. And even when it is phrased like a question, there's underlying things that I, as the audience, am sort of seeing behind that, what I really want from that, right? So when we're looking for the questions behind the headline, what's so great about this, this is when we're sort of categorizing all these different things that we're seeing. This is what I get into in in episode 86. That categorizing of things, when you get like, for instance, for us, when I went through all of Michael Hyatt's content and Pat Flynn's content and uh, uh, what's his name? Hit and Shaw or Quick Sprout or whatever, all of these things. And you start seeing what are the top posts across that entire site and you add them to a spreadsheet and you make a thing and then you start categorizing those and then you sort by the category and you realize, oh my God, each one of these guys has an article about this, that, that, and that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you realize that like there's a lot of crossover and a lot of trends. That's what I mean to say. There's a ton of trends that you're seeing there. And so all you're doing is gaining the insight because you're looking for what are the questions behind the headline and you're seeing the overlap. Because yeah. once you get past the headline, then you go like, the topic of this thing is actually, you know, the 
uh, like one example is the anatomy of the perfect blog post. Well, just about every big site on how to do blogging has that post yep. in some way, shape, or form. And, and the reason is they're chasing demand. Yeah. So they've all identified that there are a lot of people out there who want to know what yep. the anatomy of a perfect blog post is or what the formula or what a perfect blog post looks like. Totally. And they probably found that originally because either people were asking over and over again or yep. because they were Googling over and over again, some variation of that. Yep. And so it started to spread like wildfire because, um, you know, it's like the gold rush. It's like, hey, we heard there's gold up in those, them thar hills. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> totes my goats, you know? Okay. So let's move on here. Um, Steph, you have, you, do you have anything to add over there? What are you hearing? I mean, I, I don't really have too much to add. I think the one thing that flashed through my mind is I think it's also important to point out that the process that you're talking about, this idea of like constantly mining for what's doing well and seeing what your competition has done and also looking at your own stats, like this is something that you'll continue to do forever. And mm-hmm. every time you, you know, let's say you're writing your first 10 blog posts, that's great. But, you know, when, when you get to the end of those blog posts, you know, look at every time somebody shares it, every comment you get, every email and see those as tiny votes that you're headed in the Right direction or not. And if you hear crickets, observe that too. So I think it's just important to be constantly evaluating. And maybe it's comforting for some people to know that like this just this never ends. You know, here at Fizzle, we do it all the time. And it's just kind of part of what it is to do content marketing. Yep, totally. That's absolutely true. Okay, so I'm going to kind of go a little bit faster here and speed up because um, I'm going to have all of these written down for you at fizzleshow.co slash one, two, five. So, uh, Use Amazon.com. You ready for this one? This one blew my mind when I first learned about it. I can't remember where. There's two different ones uh, here. And um, I think that the three-star review came from originally James Clear, but uh, I don't know. I don't remember the other stuff. So use Amazon.com. Search and find as many books as you can on your topic. Okay, how to tie my own fly fish, bulletproof coffee, or energy levels. So see that this is a very specific, this is an interesting point. Bulletproof coffee is a very specific, niched down kind of focused topic. There might be some books on that. But there's certainly books on energy management for creative professionals or for, you know, productivity and things like that. Or how do I have more energy to do the things that I want to do in the day? Things like that. That's like kind of a level up from just the specificity of Bulletproof Coffee. You might have to do the similar kind of, uh, you know, there's no books on nerd fitness, but there's books on nerds and there's books on fitness, right? And there's books on, on books on books on books within different areas of fitness. And so all of those are relevant. Yeah, nerd books on nerd fitness. That'd be like um, a book about how to watch Game of Thrones. It'd be a book about how to watch Game of Thrones on a recumbent bike while you're heading to Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay, so you go to Amazon.com. You keep a list of several books that are about your topic that would be relevant to your audience's interests. Okay, then you do two things. First things first. You go through the table of contents. Normally, you can do that right in Amazon. You don't have to buy the book. You don't have to do anything. You just look through the table of contents. See how they're structuring the content of the book. What questions are behind the headlines or the sections? What's going on there? What in there did you not think about actually talking about? And you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know? Yep. So you can grab those. You can start to create kind of a master table of contents for your own stuff. You'll see the overlap where everybody who has a book on this has the same bits about X, Y, and Z. 
Yeah. You know? Uh, and then you'll see other ones who are adding specific, like, like interesting so, things. So, for example, let's say your topic is productivity. You mm-hmm. could go grab the top 10 books on Amazon about productivity. Yep. Take the table of contents from all of those and make a giant spreadsheet of every topic those 10 books cover. Yep. And you're going to have a lot of work to do. A for lot a of stuff. Time. Yeah. Because a lot of those are going to be pretty high level. They're higher level than a blog post probably mm-hmm. should be. So you can kind of make that a ma- make that a level above and break like it down topics. Break it down into yeah, little subtopics. So there's a lot you can do to like just like okay, I have a lot of things to write about now. Then the second tip for amazon.com is actually on all of those books, read through I would say read through all the three-star reviews. This is an amazing tip I've talked about on the show before, but Every time I buy a product now on Amazon, I look at the three-star reviews. That's the only review I look yeah. at. Um, because these are just the least inflammatory. Hey, and you know what? Um, there is a big problem on Amazon right now with fake reviews. I don't know if you've noticed this on really? some products. It's getting out of control. Like from the just manufacturers people are paying, and stuff? Yeah, the manufacturers are paying. Or they're just having their customers go and leave five-star reviews in exchange for a free product. Yeah. Which... Is bore, it seems yeah. like it should violate some terms of service, but then other competitors are leaving one-star reviews. But the cool thing about the three-star reviews is, I bet there aren't any fake three-star reviews. Nope. No, yeah, like, why would you do that, yeah. right? So the thing about this is, uh, a lot of times you're going to have a more intelligent commenter, you're going to get a more nuanced version of the story, which means they're probably going to be mentioning things that they wish they found yeah. in this that ding, they ding, didn't ding. find. Hello, Hello, <laughs> that's something to write down. What do they, what are, and then they won't explicitly say sometimes, I wish it had this, that, and the other. But you'll be able to infer in a lot of those comments the bits that they felt was missing or, and also what they felt was good. They'll, yep. they'll be the kind of person who says, like, I never thought about this, that, and the other as a way to understand flying, tying your own flies, but mm-hmm. it was really helpful for me. However, the grammatical errors make it a three star review. It's like, that's the kind of chutzpah that I'm looking for yep. in a reviewer. <laughs> chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, keeping in, on the same trend of like kind of being in other people's audiences, Quora is a great place to go um, because a lot of the times Quora is just it's just built as a Q and A form, right? So you finding you're finding people talking about your topic, and then people are are rating the answers, mm-hmm. and the so the best answers are coming to the top. Yeah, number one, you're getting like great ideas from that, like a crowdsource sort of idea pool. Yeah, but also like what are the big questions being asked, and and are and. What are the engagement on those questions looking like? So some might be around productivity uh, in a broad sense, but some might be around a very specific tool, the Pomodoro technique. And you have a ton of conversation about that so that you, you just learn something there about what kind of topics excite this particular audience. So being on Quora, again, looking for the questions behind the headlines and then getting through all those conversations. This is all research that you're doing to steep yourself and, and create this master template of like all of the things you want to write about okay any topic uh, or any conversation about like what should i write about would be um would be lost without or not lost but you kind of need to mention keyword research okay Mm -hmm. so this is a little bit of an archaic thing to me someone who's just been a writer for forever i surprisingly don't do this almost at all and never have though i've always wanted to partly because i just don't really understand it all that really, really well. And trust me, I've spent a lot of time in there. I think I do understand it. Just that the insights aren't as big as I hoped they would be most of the time when I use it. But I'm going to put an article uh, from HubSpot, a great article on how to do your own keyword research for SEO stuff. It's the same principles that you'll use for figuring out what 
kind of topics, what kind of phrases are useful uh, when you're when you're doing this kind of research using Google's uh, keyword research tools and things like that. It's whatever. Go do the thing. It's you should do it because you'll find the words you might find. What did Barrett do recently? And he he discovered that this term was used way more than that other term. One of the things that I've struggled with in the past is like so we talk about productivity a lot, and that's one of our popular topics. Uh, a lot of people talk about productivity. Other people talk about time management. Mm -hmm. And the difference between those two terms can be significant in terms of the audience that is finding them and using those, the difference between the audience that's using those terms to to search for things. So I don't know. Yeah, but the point is, uh, if if you're going to go after, and and I guess this is, we're talking about how to know what to make for your audience. And when we get into SEO, that helps to frame things in language that your audience would be using. Yeah. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to get search traffic because that's a, a whole different you know, process. Yeah. But at least, let's say you start looking into productivity and you realize, well, hey, wait a second, people are talking about time management a, a lot. Yeah. Then if you use the words time management in your headline, it's more likely to connect with your audience when you send that post in an email or you put it on Twitter or whatever. Um, because you may have been using some obscure language that they just ignored. Yep, you know? totally. Yeah, so like one trick on this is like you might be doing a topic on like dogs or something like that or on fly fishing, right? And and doing keyword research could clue you into the fact that, wow, a lot of people are actually searching on how to tie my own ties. Yep. So that's different from fly fishing, but it's a part of fly fishing, yep. right? So you can get more specific. I am interested in dogs. Well, then you got the the keyword research on, on, oh, wow, people are searching a lot for what food should I give my dog or what leash should I have or what leash should I have when I go hiking or something like that. The best leashes for running your dog if you're an avid runner. Those are great ideas for, for sort of uh, specific to- topics that might actually hit a wire uh, uh, or hit a nerve in, in culture right now. Yep. Okay, so that's keyword research. Okay, Now I want to talk about influencers. Finding the influencers in your topic or niche can be a great way to discover content to write about. Why? Because as people get bigger, watch this happen, as people get bigger, if you've ever watched someone go from like being a cool, scrappy sort of, uh, you know, writing about teaching you how to do X, Y, and Z to to becoming like really, really big, really well-known, really popular, what tends to happen is they're the everything has to reach a wider audience. So the topics all get less specific so that they can get more people into this, they, into this one topic, basically, or in this one blog post. So, um, so you kind of can, can learn from watching that, and it can also be a letdown if you actually want to learn the goods about things. That's me being, uh, being upset about a lot of some of my friends. Um, but but the, the point is, um, you find the influencers in your space, and you just pay attention to their feeds. What are they tweeting about? What are they sharing on Facebook? What are they writing about? What are the things that they're doing? So these might be people you've identified in the competition. These might be just people that you admire in a sort of uh, an area similar to the one that you're talking about. Yep. Um, but what are they sharing and what are the questions behind those headlines? So for me, I just did this when I was preparing for this uh, podcast and I looked at Hit and Shaw's uh, tweets and just found a, a handful of questions behind the headlines. Like, And then these led to great ideas for content for me. And if you guys want to, want anybody out there want to write this for the Sparkline, <laughs> put it together. We'll see if it's good. Um, but one that I came up with just by looking at some of the things that he was sharing, I was like, okay, what is like w- w- the smartest or a smart process for making content repeatably? 
making mm. good content repeatedly. Yep. Because one of the things that's really hard is you want to make content that goes viral every time. Yeah. It never happens. It, it never happens like that. You Like mm-hmm. for us, at least, you have to just do the work. So what's the good system for doing the work so that some of them can go viral, yep. right? Uh, focus there is on the smart process, the smart system for content, mark for creating content. Another one is like, is there a checklist I can use to evaluate if the article I've just created is good or not? That's literally a question that I kind of like intuited from mm. behind a, a headline. And now, and it led me down a totally different path than what the article he was talking about. Those are going. smart questions. Those are... These are the kinds of things that you can get to if you can learn to kind of blur your eyes a little bit when you look at what people are sharing Mm -hmm. and and try to see what's going on behind that. Yep. Who's the person on the other side going like, hey, Hidden, do you have something to help me evaluate if my article is good or not? Mm-hmm. You know, like a little checklist or something like that. So I'd like to write that. So that's looking at the influencers in your topic or niche and um, and checking out what what are they sharing and then doing this sort of squinty eye thing where you where you kind of blur your vision and say, what are the questions behind these these headlines? Now, there's a difference between uh, another great way to do that is do it on. Um, and I got into this in the making uh, shareable images course. We made a whole course on making shareable images and it has a ton of this kind of research in there. One of the great places to do this is in YouTube. You find a big YouTube channel, go to the videos tab and then sort by popularity. So you see the most popular video first and then blur your vision. What's the questions that those videos are answering? Another great way of doing this. So all of these are kind of transferable beyond, you know, Twitter or Facebook or Amazon or or Quora. They go to like they can work on anything. Pinterest, Periscope, the same kind of stuff is at play. Who are the people that have the audiences? How are they getting the what are they talking about to those audiences? Yep. Okay. Um, let's talk about doing a little bit of social exploring. So this is where you're kind of searching other social media sites uh, for, you know, sometimes it's like hashtags. You might have a hashtag for like tie your own flies. You might have seen people tweeting that or fly fishing or something like that. Just do some searches on that hashtag in Instagram and in Twitter and in wherever the hashtags are used. Um and see what the most popular content is there. Because all of those search engines for Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, they're going to show you the most popular stuff. Uh, typically, I don't know if Instagram does actually, but but I know that Twitter, and then you can say show all instead of the hottest or whatever. Um, and you can see what are the topics that are being shared with those headlines that are getting the most love, the most retweets, the most activities, stuff like that. Another thing about this is using social networks that you're not really used to can be really, really valuable. Because, for instance, me, I don't spend almost any time on Pinterest, but when I start searching around in there, it's all so new to me that I don't like that it it kind of helps me look at what I'm seeing a little bit differently. Kind of forces you to pay attention. It forces me, exactly. Yeah. Great way to put it. It yeah. forces me to pay attention. And so do that. Like Steph mentioned, Periscope. Get on Periscope. Do some searches. Find some people. See what they're talking about. See how they're using... Can you even search on... I don't know. I don't know if you can. <laughs> but see if you can search. <laughs> but uh, but what are the what are the headlines... <laughs> like, one of the things to do is, like, be a part of these social networks. Yeah. And then go, like... Oh yeah, I kind of want to click on that. And totally. then noticing when you want to click on it. Yeah. Like, what is it that made you want to I think I saw Pat did a periscope last night and I got a little notification. Uh Pat Flynn and he's like he's like come see what the haters are saying about me. And I was like, 
Oh, I kind of want to see what That's good. Do you feel like it's worth jumping on every new social media thing that comes no, out? never. I jumped on or, Periscope, though. Well, I know, but you've also jumped on a lot of other ones, as have all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just wonder, let's say if you consistently jumped on every single one, eventually you would be that early adopter yeah. who had like more followers than anybody else because you were there from day one. Yeah. But is that a giant waste of time? It can be. What I, what, so I was, uh, I was just Twitter. I had Facebook too, but like I basically was just Twitter for like f- whatever four years. Yeah, Instagram had been out two and a half years. Everybody was using. It. I was like, screw that! I like I have Twitter. I have Tumblr. I know. Like I'll share my my pictures on Tumblr. I do a whole album. It's fine. And then finally, I got on Instagram, and I think that kind of broke the seal. Where I was like, I actually learned a lot. There's like more engagement on Instagram. Yeah. I feel yeah. like Twitter is like shrinking. Yeah, it's, it's sad too. Uh, yeah, but it'll get it'll get better because of it. That's Maybe. what I like. We're getting better, like more real people. That might be <laughs> Less true. body behavior. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's keep going down here. So that's social exploring. Searching in all of those uh, other places that you might not normally go. And I guess the next one I had was social searching. Um, and th- I'll just collapse that into the next into that previous one. You already know what I'm talking about here. Search for that hashtag. Search for that those topics with the same thing that I just said. I'm just making my point again because I... Because sometimes you like to do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, let's talk about specific way, uh, ways that you can actually talk to your audience. Engage with them specifically. Wait, before we do that, let me just make sure that I have got... Let me do one more here before we move on to that one. Okay. Finally, in this other people's audiences stuff is reading forums. Forums are a really valuable thing because they're just a huge comment thread. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's real people saying, I really want to install a hi-fi audio system. I'm struggling between this speaker choice or that speaker choice. I don't know how to set up the acoustics in the room. Yada, yada, yada. Real problems that you just like, you can just, they're chock full of them. Yep. And then there's like a bunch of people just going like, so uh, what you need to do is, first of all, <laughs> you know what I mean? just a bunch of Lauren Michaels in there giving yeah. you all these adv- advice and, and you don't have to listen to so much to, to them. But those, those honest, heartfelt, real questions, that's just gold. That's gold for figuring this stuff out. And there's out. an opportunity there because like you said forums they're great for information but they're also kind of a chore sometimes to get through oh yeah so if you can like curate the best parts of the right answer on your own site without oh yeah i give it i give it like i give it a couple years before forums just aren't showing up in search well and that's why that's why forums have q a features and other things where people get to vote on the right answer now because it makes them more useful totally totally and so and it can again all of those all of those examples of spending time on social media doing all of the, the the influencer stuff amazon reviews, reading forums. This can all be extremely time consuming. And I want to, I'll say it now, what you need to do with this is realize you're never going to know enough. You actually aren't going to know enough. No, sorry. You're never going to know it all, but you can know enough. And in some ways you have to give yourself either a deadline on, I'm going to spend, you know, one week, seven days, one hour a day doing this kind of research. And whenever I'm done with that, I, that's, that's it. Literally, you have to do it. If you're anything like me, like I will spend months in this because it's so yeah. exciting and it's interesting. And I was always the kid that had to read every single word of the book. I couldn't skip because I just lose. I'd, I'd lose interest. I'd lose. Like I'd feel like I didn't really know what was going on, which meant I couldn't be intuitive about this. And all of for me, the intuitions is where you're going to show up as someone with a unique voice or not. So 
what I would take away from this is I, I think that if you did this process, if you picked like three or five of these that sounded most appealing to you, yeah. these, these methods, and maybe you, you just put a reminder in your Asana once a quarter, spend a day or even just an afternoon, yeah. do this, come up with a massive list of ideas. Um, from there, the question is, okay, now I've got these like 300 ideas. Yeah. How do I know which ones my audience is going to want? Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of different approaches, right? Yeah. The, the first is you could spend three days on each blog post and just throw things against the wall and see what sticks. And I think that's what most of us end up doing. Mm -hmm. And it can work if you put up, uh, put out enough volume, then over time you'll get better at kind of knowing what your audience is going to want. And, and to begin with, from that list of 300, you could probably put your own priority ranking on those ideas to say, um, which ones do I think are going to have the greatest impact and then kind of pick from that list. What I like to do is um, instead of going straight to the blog post or going straight to making a YouTube video or something where there's a lot of, this is kind of like the, um, when we talk about the MVP process of making something that people want, but doing it in a really small way so that you don't waste too much time if it turns out they don't want that thing. Yeah, totally. This is like a microcosm of that with blog posts or with videos or whatever it is that you're trying to create. Yeah. Instead, go for the medium that has like the lowest overhead and start out on Twitter or something. Yeah. You could you could spend you know a half hour writing tweets for a day or two of those three hundred ideas that you had. Put them up on Twitter and see which ones get the greatest reaction, mm-hmm. and then use that to inform your blog post. And that can be hard because, like, some people are more sometimes are better than others, so that might be you know sort of confirmation bias or yeah. whatever the bias would be up for that one. But but you're right in that, and like you like social media posts, like f- uh, Facebook is great for that because you know you ever notice how you log into Facebook and it's like the same post is up at top most days that you log in. It's like mm-hmm. just more comments to the same like baby picture. Um, that's what makes it kind of good. So if you start to get a little traction on a thing. Facebook will show that to more people. Well, that's good for you if you can get a little traction on your thing. So you kind of want to keep it sex appealing. Yep. Um, but but know that that's going to be a part of this, whatever you're doing, is either defining how long you're going to spend on it, having some recurring task uh, that, that happens every quarter where you're like, what are the topics for right now? Um, also, I just want to encourage you that like I want to hear... I think we're in where the world is becoming a place where it is not about the right answer. It's about your answer. And the reason why I care about your answer to this is because you, your butt is on the line for this. I want to learn about how to tie my own fly fishing flies. Well, then you get to that. I want, I don't want to just hear some like, you know, social media expert with some like, I don't want, I don't want to land on ehow.com. That's what I don't want to land on. Do you know what I mean? Like just some way of doing like here's how to install a light fixture those are the worst and then here's how to install a light fixture but we're going to make you click through a slideshow of like Mm. 12 pages and it's just it's the worst and but i want to land on like like how do i do my financial planning and then god bless you if you get to land on mr money mustache instead of ehow or some crap like that because mr money mustache is this guy with this very particular point of view very strong very like interesting and human and so and and smart and it's someone who's done what he said he's doing and and he got successful with it that's what i want when you're thinking about you know bulletproof coffee there's a lot of we have to play this game where it's like what's the topics that are going to get a lot of people there right we have to play that game that's the game that we're all in but the other part of that is how do i answer those how do I add my voice to those topics in a unique way? And that absolutely is also a part of this game. Because if you start feeling like ehow.com, you're not gonna you're not gonna be uh, you're you're 
I don't know. I don't want to say you're not going to be a big thing, but like, you're not going to be you. I'm not going to be connecting with you through that. Mm -hmm. You understand? Like, and I want that to be something that you fight for and that you realize is valuable in your point of view and that you'd be surprised how many people take a gamble on that. And that's the thing that made them, besides the fact that they were lucky and they did all the work, they were hardworking. They also didn't compromise on who they were. They were like, I wanted to do that. I, wa- I, w- I wanted to create the thing I wish I would have found. Yeah. That's the dream. Okay, I got just a couple more here for you to do really quick. Uh, now, this is the other category of like getting directly to your audience. Okay, this is where you, so number one, ask your social followers. Just reach out to them. So this could be, uh, you could be doing it like Corbett mentioned in the form of just like making a statement uh, and then seeing how many tweets or re, re, uh, retweets or likes or faves or whatever you get. You could also just straight up ask questions. Hey guys, yeah. what do you, what, anybody out there into fly fishing? Like, what do you wish I, I would write more about? Or what do you wish you knew more about? Just talking specifically to them. It's that same version of the email question. Um, so talking to your actual social media networks, like the people who follow you. Another thing is talking to real customers Actually doing interviews with your customers can change everything. We did this with Scott Dinsmore recently. We redesigned his, it was like our last site that we worked on uh, before going full fizzle. It um, Full fizzle. Full fizzle. We are full-fledged fizzle, man. <laughs> um, so for full-fledged fizzle f***ers. <laughs> Take it easy. So, uh, so... We had him, I had him, just like, listen, I'm not touching a design of your site until you give me interviews, recorded interviews, with 20 of your audience members. And so he went out and did it. And he, and he interviewed 20 customers of his. And he said, he came back to us just gleaming, grinning so big. He's like, that is the most important thing I did on my business all year. And so we, I listened to, to all of those, listened again to like my favorite three, the ones that I actually kind of resonated with their story. And that's where the, a lot of the d- design for Live Your Legend came from, was from like, okay, how do we get Mateus to where, where we want him to be, where he wants to be? Mm-hmm. And so those actual customer interviews can be so, so valuable. And you're just, you're just getting in there and saying like, so what are you struggling with? What do you wish you would have known? How have I helped you so far? Um, what else are you paying attention to out there? Just a- have a list of questions to ask them, but you're really interested in that thread of like, what do they want? What do they really want to learn? Is it about flying, fi- tying flies? And what's their struggle with that? Is it about what to buy? Or flying, about- ties. And flying ties. Flying ties. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we've talked about, about this a lot before, uh, surveying your audience. You, we have a blog post on this. I'll put in the show notes for you to learn more about surveying your audience. There's ways that this can backfire. You can ask questions that lead to m- more confusion rather than less. So you want to be careful a little bit about that. Uh, and I find that if I had to choose between talking to, you know, 10 customers or surveying a thousand customers, I would approach those very differently. I would kind of like think of talking to a thousand people through a survey as a, a kind of like, which one of these is like, I'd rather ask, give you five options and have you check the bar- box next to the one you want to learn most about. You know what I mean? And see if there's some overlap of, of yeah. like of those. Uh, and when we talk about surveys, we don't always just mean a one-time event where you send an email out to a hundred people and ask yeah. them to fill something out. Sometimes it's an ongoing thing where mm-hmm. every time someone completes some action, buys a product or cancels or whatever, totally. then you send them a survey. And so it's an ongoing process and those can be really useful as well. Yep, Absolutely. Okay, uh, and then finally, the blog comments. Don't ever forget to read your own blog comments all the time, everywhere. Whether or not you have them, read them. 
strong, strong ending point. Listen, I don't even care if you have comments or not. You don't have comments, read your read your damn comments. You have comments, read your damn comments. You, right. you don't even have a blog. You better be reading your own comments. You know what I mean? I do. So, um, listen, I think that's all That's all we have to go through. That's my whole list. There's other things that we could have gotten into, but... Um, There's good stuff. You uh, you got me kind of fired up to go do a little exploring. I mean, this is the hard part, you guys. Again, if you haven't listened to episode 86, talk, uh, go do that absolutely right now. Fizzleshow.co slash 86. And uh, this is, in some ways, kind of a, a supplementary episode to that. Um, the thing is, we did. I did that research in episode 86. I have a spreadsheet. I know all the answers. I figured out, I've identified all the posts to write. But guess what? We haven't written them yet because that's the other part of this. It's one thing to make a list of smart things yeah. to write. Right. It's, it's a whole other another thing. to have the time and patience and dedication. And just like, because to me, the exciting thing is figuring out what to do. Once I know what to do, I'm kind of like, oh, do we really want to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You live through the whole scenario in your mind and you're like, huh. Yeah. It's so exciting to figure out strategy and it's just, uh, eh. but dude, if you guys, if you guys and gals, if you people, if you things, whatever, whatever you are, you have got to do this work. There are a few things you can do for your online business that are more valuable than creating compelling content and putting Mm. it out in the world because it lives there forever. Yeah. Uh, It influences people. It leads to customers and relationships and things that are just at the top of every entrepreneur's list. It's a top, it's a top of all our lists. Really. And, and do it consistently, too. That might be one thing we didn't necessarily hit on, but that's important. You earn trust with an audience when you're you know, not being sporadic about it and posting something one month and then being off the radar for six months. So that's try true. to be consistent. Yeah. And as Chase said, like Chase just pointed out, this is one of his favorite parts. I think this might be kind of trite, but try to have fun with it. This can be really fun and it should be the fun part of your business because you should be digging into things that interest you, hope- hopefully, and you know, try to go about it in a bit of a lighthearted way and a sort of exploratory way. And I think it makes it a lot easier and more enjoyable. I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I have been Steph Crowder. And we will see you there. Oh, we'll see See you another time. Chase, the the show's over now. Oh, sorry. (laughs) So there you have it. Thank you so much, Nathan, for your question, for all your amazing inside jokes that absolutely warmed the cockles of my heart. All the cockles. There are so many of them, and all of them, they're actually getting, it's uncomfortable. They're hot. (laughs) You make me hot, young man. Uh, We love hearing from all of you guys when you write us questions and things, so you can always ask your question from us at fizzleshow.co slash ask. That's where Nathan sent his his question in. That's where you can send yours in. Or you can always shoot us an email at heyguys at fizzle.co. fizzleshow.co slash 125. One, two, five. That's where you're going to find the show notes and links for this episode. Okay, I'm gonna, I listed out all of the methods. I actually haven't done it yet. I'm going to do that. As I'm recording this, I haven't done it. But And now I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I remember to do it before we publish this. Oh, gosh, this is drama. I'm creating tension. You want to go to the site. You want to see if it's, if it's happening, if he actually fulfilled his promise or not. Is this guy a total douchebag? Does he just say things because other people might like it? Uh, I have a lot in my past. <laughs> but this time, hopefully I actually fulfilled on my promise. So uh, go to fizzleshow.co slash 125 and see if I actually did fill in all those things uh, in the show notes there, all of the different research methods. And hey, while you're there, two things. Number one, get on that email list. Why haven't you been on that? We email you every time we write a post, which is just Tuesday morning and Friday morning. 
that's it. You're going to like it. Be on the show. Be on, or be on the, the email list there. And then number two, hey, if, you, if you've used a method that we didn't talk about in this episode, I would love, love, love to hear what it is that you've used. You can go ahead and share that in the comments of this, uh, of this episode's show notes. So again, that's fizzleshow.co slash 125. I'd love to hear what you've used uh, and, and maybe make, make it a part of what we're training here at Fizzle 2. Here's an iTunes review from Johnny Keeley from the U.S. who says, Killer podcast, period. Entrepreneur, quote, backside cream. Only he didn't use the word backside. (laughs) Johnny says, The Fizzle Show always delivers. I love the great conversations and all the incredible advice. A must-listen podcast for anyone wanting more out of life. Thanks for all you do. No, 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 Johnny. Thank you. Honestly, that that probably took you very little time to write, but I'm so grateful that you did it. You see, dear listener, this is one of the places, these iTunes reviews, where we get to hear your voice and other people get to hear it as well. Okay, you can share words about what you think about this podcast is like, and other people will see it. Better for better or for worse. We have a couple one stars up there. You can go look for those, but an overwhelming number of five stars. And we want to add more to it. I'd love to hear your voice. Uh, so if you if you haven't yet, could you please leave us a review in iTunes? All you do is open up the iTunes store, search for the Fizzle Show, and click write a review. It won't cost you much. It, really, it costs you almost no time at all. But it means so much for us to read your words. And I hope I get to read yours on the next Fizzle Show episode. Now, when you hit your next roadblock, when your arse starts to singe from the fire, (laughs) remember, you're not alone. You can reach for your entrepreneurial backside cream, (laughs) either in this podcast or at fizzle.co slash try five. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.